0: Hi, my new stand-up comedy show, Sammy Shah, Successful Comedian, is starting in Melbourne from the 30th of March, running all the way through to the 23rd of April, 7.50pm every day at the Chinese Museum and 6.50pm on Sundays. Tickets are available at comedyfestival.com.au or through the slash shows website. The first three nights are preview nights and have discounted tickets, so do come to those as those are always fun. And of course, Patreon subscribers get two free tickets. Just email me the day before you want to come at the latest and I will make sure you have them at the door. Now on to News Weekly. Top Stories of the Week Albanese loses his voice while announcing The Voice. Also, who ordered the Nazis? And ticked off with TikTok. All that and more on News Weekly. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Australia isn't mature enough to handle this news now. The challenge for all Prime Ministers in Australia is to find a way to enshrine your name in history as more than just a suit in a chair, but as someone who left a profound impact on the country. Recently, for the Liberal Party Prime Ministers, it's been through notable achievements like John Howard's bold stance against private gun ownership, which saw Australia becoming a safer place with guns harder to purchase and own. It was also his decision to support America's bid to invade Iraq on imaginary bullshit excuses the time he treated innocent refugees like some sort of invading army and lied about them, or decried any version of history that doesn't make white people look amazing as the black armband version, which might be the only time he acknowledged the colour black. Or maybe it's his giant fucking prehensile eyebrows. Since then, there have been many other Liberal Party prime ministers, and they've either been corrupt and bullying like Morrison, useless and disappointing like Turnbull, or batshit crazy like Tony Abbott, and all of them made sure to put time in their schedule to make the lives miserable for refugees. For Labour Party Prime Ministers, there have also been attempts at establishing a historical legacy. There was Kevin Rudd with the wonderful apology to the stolen generation. Then he somehow managed to annoy everyone until Julia Gillard overthrew him in a coup that would have been considered brutal in a 1970s Middle Eastern nation. She gave an iconic speech about misogyny, then was herself overthrown in a coup by Rudd, who lost the election right after. Oh, and they also found time in their schedule to make life miserable for refugees. Now there's Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. And so far, his big achievements are overpaying for submarines and reaffirming Australia's commitment to, yep, you you guessed it, making life miserable for refugees. But he has remembered that a lot of Kevin Rudd's failures were obscured by the power of his apology to the stolen generation, which is why one of the first things he did when he won the election was commit to a voice to Parliament. And together, we can embrace... The Uluru Statement from the Heart. We can answer its patient, gracious call for a voice enshrined in our constitution. Finally this week, after much consultation, the Prime Minister announced the exact wording of the question on the Indigenous voice to Parliament that would be taken to a referendum later this year. He began by reminding us this was less about a change to the Constitution that might improve the conditions of Indigenous Australians and more about reminding everyone that Parliament actually exists. There's a whole lot of things that we do in this place that no one will remember in a year's time or a day's time. This matters. He is seriously underselling his job. This was then followed by an emotional moment for the Prime Minister, who at one point was visibly on the verge of tears, probably because he remembered how much he just overpaid for submarines after committing to a referendum, which will cost $75.1 million. The question that Australians will be asked at this year's referendum is a very simple one. It will read, A proposed law to alter the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. Do you approve this this proposed alteration? That's the question before the Australian people. As well as that, it will be put to Australians that the constitution be amended to include a new chapter titled Recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Peoples. Something that if you'd ask any random Australian on the street, a hundred percent of them would not know if it already existed or not. The Prime Minister was flanked on all sides by members of the referendum working group, many of whom were also wiping away tears with the announcement. After his announcement, however, came the responses by the opposition, with Peter Dutton up first. How will it deliver practical outcomes for Indigenous Australians? And if he can't provide that detail, uh, then he needs to explain why. A fair request for more detail from the opposition leader who boycotted the Stolen Generation apology. Except the voice doesn't actually deliver practical outcomes. Its whole purpose is to put in place a system that can work towards practical outcomes because other systems haven't worked so far. The purpose of the voice is to give independent advice to Parliament and the government of the day on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people with members chosen by local communities, not the government. Which isn't to say that all indigenous people all agree on it any more than any other group of people ever agree on anything en mass at all, which sometimes non-Indigenous people have to be reminded of. We can now expect both the yes and no campaigns to ramp up. Today, a delegation of Indigenous Australians against The Voice bringing the no case to Parliament.
1: What this is about is letting Australia know that there are Aboriginal people out there who do not agree with The Voice and with the referendum.
0: The debate on this has still only just begun, and over the next few months, it's likely to get heated and vicious. And if you need evidence of that, here's Pauline Hanson talking to Peter Credlin on Sky News. And that's a sentence that's so cursed if you say it three times, Rupert Murdoch appears and makes you his next wife.
1: It relates to a letter you got from a concerned uh, member of the public. What what have you got and, and what does it say? Well, it was an anonymous letter that was sent to, to me, to my office, and just received it on Tuesday morning, actually. And the letter was basically... It disturbed me greatly. This couple were in a restaurant in Woden. They actually heard the people beside them talking. After they left, there was four pages that were left behind. They photographed the pages, and they actually then handed the paper to the cafe. They sent, um, he was very disturbed for what he heard, but some of the things that they actually said is that, um, you know, 10% of appointments to be First Nations people for judges, magistrates, CW, SES, ADF officers, AFP and State Police Forces, Corrections Departments, Vice Chancellors and Ambassadors. It's about no entry tests, no fees for First Nations people and reduce the age of eligibility for First Nations people because of that we die younger. It takes, it means you know, close of beaches and national parks that they will actually pay a fee for it. It's control and ownership of the water. You'll pay compensation to them. It just goes on and on. There's 11 points, um, to this, uh, uh, Peter, all liquor licences across Australia to be vetted by voice. So this is an organisation. Let's make it quite clear. It was NIAA, the National Indigenous Australians um, Association, which is funded under the Prime Minister Mm -hmm. and Cabinet of $4.5 billion a year. They were the ones that left this papers behind. So I have grave concerns about this. This is what I'm saying, people understand, if you give the yes vote, this is what you could be opening yourself up to, because once it's in the constitution...
0: In case you don't speak the local patois, known as Queensland Racist, Pauline Hanson just said there was a group of indigenous people in a restaurant in a town in Queensland. So, of course, the white people sitting next to them were listening in on their conversation because they were probably disappointed it wasn't a whites-only place. They then found a multi-page document left behind by the indigenous customers, and that document was sent to Pauline Hanson, probably using some sort of racism courier service that delivers all crazy conspiracy theories directly to Pauline's desk. The letter apparently was a detailed plan on indigenous people using voice to parliament to take over Australia and make us pay them for water. It's like she combined all the racism against indigenous people with classic anti-Semitic theories to create a new Protocols of the Elders of Uluru. She's like a a beautiful mind of racism, creating new racist theories heretofore unthought of. She's somehow managed to combine all the theories, all the conspiracy theories into one. It's very impressive. It's stuff like this that makes this referendum worrying, though. Just 8 out of 44 referendums have ever been successful, but they do take a toll, as highlighted by ABC's analyst Dan Borsha. But there's something bigger at stake here than political legacy. It's about who we are as a nation and whether Australians will embrace an opportunity to debate a new
1: chapter or fall back into another culture war.
0: It's like he's never met any Australians before. Culture war? Here we come. Everyone's going to get angry at me for some aspect of this story news now. Most elements of American and British culture tend to come to Australia a little late. Musicians and comedians perform here at the tail end of their tours, and writers promote their books here when there's nowhere left to go in the English-speaking world. When it comes to cultural impact, the stuff we get is always a few months old at best. Which is why it's only now that the American and Brit culture war around trans issues is finally arriving in Australia. With all the potency and relevance of the singer Meatloaf, once he could no longer hold a note, a British anti trans activist and Spider Man's bigoted cousin, Posey Parker, arrived in Melbourne last weekend to speak at a rally in the C V D. Many trans rights activists were there to protest her. However, they were surprised to see her being defended. By Nazis,
1: and the Victorian government is considering outlawing public displays of the Nazi salute after a group of neo-Nazis and anti-trans activists used the gesture repeatedly when they crashed a pro-trans rally in Melbourne yesterday.
0: The Nazis wore masks, which might be because they were a bunch of guys who do push-ups in their mum's basement and were worried they might catch gay or cooties or whatever grown men who still do Nazi salutes think. Posey Parker, whose real name is Kelly J. Keene, which is also the kind of name Stanley would come up with as a background character in a Daredevil comic, has previously appeared on white nationalist YouTube videos. The Melbourne stop of her Let Women Speak tour has so far managed to cause one far-right Liberal Party member to possibly lose her job soon, while being used by Nazis to get self-promotion. Before heading to Canberra, where it could be used to platform other self-promoting opportunists who don't really care about any of the actual issues, just how to make themselves relevant again.
1: Side by side with Posey Parker was United Australia Senator Ralph Babbitt and One Nation's Malcolm Roberts and Pauline Hanson and
0: <laughs> This time, the event was interrupted by Senator Lydia Thorpe, who tried to stop Posey Parker's speech, then was either tackled to the ground by police or fell over as believably as Ric Flair being knocked out by Hulk Hogan.
1: Straight to the ground or lawns of Parliament House, Independent Senator Lydia Thorpe crawls away after being grabbed by police at an anti-trans rally. She'd arrived moments earlier as controversial UK campaigner Kelly J. Keene, a.k.a. Posey Parker was at the podium. And they no women like
0: Speaking of shameless self promoters hijacking serious issues to make it about themselves, the human personification of the phrase, Suki as fuck. Mark Latham somehow also managed to attract violent far-right campaigners to his side, which is such a surprise. It really is. Two people have been arrested after clashes with police outside a political event in Sydney where One Nation politician Mark Latham was set to speak. Police say around 500 people attended the meeting at a Catholic church at Belfield in the city's southwest. They allege that a number of glass bottles and projectiles were thrown at police. In fact, one constable was injured. Mark Latham, who has a face like a caricature of Mark Latham, has denied having anything to do with the group that instigated the violence. The group is called Christian Lives Matter. No, no, you heard that name right. Their violence against the protesters was planned the day before, as proven by posts that they put on social media announcing those plans. Claims the violence was pre-planned. This video posted last night. There
1: is only one way, and that way is to grab them, and you drag them by their f***ing And you get him out of there.
0: That's directly from the Bible, I think. Jesus said it after getting drunk on all the wine he'd been making. He always got mean when drunk. Posey Parker is taking her Let Women and Nazis Speak tour now to New Zealand, where it will likely meet more protests and counter-protests. Meanwhile, in Australia, everyone has a chance to consider whether the debate around trans issues, which is clearly one that is happening, whether either side likes it or not, is served in any useful way by being led by Pauline Hanson and Mark Latham on one side and Lydia Thorpe on the other. Maybe if China bought all the guns, news now. Millennials and Gen Z might have to find a new social media app on which to indulge their chronic narcissism soon. Now that the US Congress has its sights set On TikTok.
1: The chief of the social media app Shozi Chu was grilled by lawmakers over a whole range of issues mostly related to the company's Chinese ownership. His appearance before the congressional committee comes after the Biden administration threatened to ban the social media app if the company's Chinese owners didn't sell their shares.
0: The attack on the Chinese app has received bipartisan support that gun control advocates can only fantasize about. Here's Republican Buddy Carter. The Chinese Communist Party is engaged in psychological warfare through TikTok to deliberately influence U.S. children. The point of concern here, of course, being that the U.S. government is already engaging in physical warfare, economic warfare, intellectual warfare, and actually just warfare warfare against American children and doesn't need the Chinese help. TikTok is already banned on government devices in the US, UK and New Zealand, although not yet in Australia, which means Australian politicians can still follow the accounts of young women doing yoga in shorts. The CEO of ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok, did his best to convince American lawmakers that his Chinese company is independent from the Chinese government. ByteDance is not owned or controlled By the Chinese government. And if they don't agree with him, the Chinese government will make him and his family disappear for six weeks to prove it. He also then announced that US users' data would no longer be stored in China, but locally. American data stored on American soil by an American company overseen by American personnel. We call this initiative Project Texas. Please rename your
1: project Texas is not the appropriate name. We stand for freedom and transparency and we don't want
0: your project. Project Texas should be the name of an attempt to make the largest barbecue ribs in the world and nothing else. TikTok still has a way to go to convince Western leaders their children's data is as safe with it as it is with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tinder, Grindr and pretty much every other app that they have on their phones. Meanwhile, at least journalists can continue to make bad puns.
1: It's time in America is ticking to a close. Where time is ticking for TikTok.
0: That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Like I said, please do come to the first three nights of the comedy festival show. I think there's... Almost all the tickets available still for the first night, um, which is on the 30th of March at 7.50pm at the Chinese Museum. Uh, If you're a member of my Patreon, email me. I'll give you all the free tickets you want for the first night. I'm more than happy to just get bums on seats, really, for the rest of the festival. If you do want to come, do make sure you email me if you're a Patreon member. Um, Otherwise, just buy tickets from comedyfestival.com.au. Do say hi after the show. I love meeting people who listen to News Weekly. It's so weird to me still that people... People do listen to it that every time I meet an actual human being in the wild, it kind of blows my mind. So let's say hi, let's hang out. Otherwise, I will see you right back here next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.